verses 1 to 24. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sights of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidot, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kedesh, Naphtali, and said to him, Has the Lord, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give them into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead you to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah, Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh, and Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh, and 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenites had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zananim, which is near Kedesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone out to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Harasheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord rooted Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away by foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Hagayim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heba the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, the house of Heba the Kenite, oh, sorry, and the house of Heba the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her. Um, sorry, he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please, give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. 
So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of my tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone there? Say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. <clears throat> then when she... Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaanites, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaanites, sorry, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. Um, my name is Eddie. Um, one of the pastors here at Christ's Midrand. Nomku, well done. Um, your reading gives new meaning to the idea of going camping. So, all right, um, let me pray for us, and then we can get stuck in. Father God, thank you so much um, for your word. Um, thank you that it speaks so deeply to our hearts. Um, please help us today to hear what you're saying to us, and help us to trust you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Like Tracy said, it's Women's Month, uh, and by the way, congratulations on Women's Day last Wednesday. As a, as a church, we decided to spend August uh, preaching through the Bible, looking for women in the Bible. My privilege is uh, Deborah, Deborah and Jael. Uh, one of the ideas, one of the purposes for me this morning is to delve into this very uh, deep, difficult question to answer, and that's the purpose. What's the purpose of women in this world? Um, the answer to that question has been far and wide, and mostly the Bible has been at the center, but it hasn't come out with rose, it hasn't come out too great in those discussions. Um, uh, like I said, I work with kids, and uh, one of the things that happens when kids, is there's two differences between two kids, they fight. Or there's a conflict. And the one thing that separates mankind in male and female 50-50 is, uh, is, is, is men and women. And so I can imagine the devil has a field day uh, when it comes to those differences. But the question I want to answer this morning is to look at the Bible. And how does the Bible portray women? What do we learn about women in the Bible? And especially women in the Old Testament. Uh, like I said, we're in the book of Judges. Just a little bit of history Israel was in slavery in Egypt. God saved them. Moses brought them to the promised land. He didn't take them into the promised land. Joshua took them into the promised land. Joshua's job and Israel's job was to drive out the people in the promised land. Uh, otherwise, they would bring their idol worship into Israel. As long as Joshua was alive, it went well. But then he died and things went poorly again. After that, the cycle of judges started. The Lord would raise a judge. Israel would drive out some of the enemies. He would die. Israel would fall back into the evil ways. 
That cycle of judges is a wonderful place for us to look to see God's sovereign hand in rescuing Israel. Despite their rebellion and despite their obedience, God sovereignly controls his his purposes. Um, We are in chapter 4, which is a narrative, which is a wonderful story. But chapter 4 goes hand in hand with chapter 5. If you look at your Bibles, chapter 5 is actually the song that Deborah and Barak sang after this battle. Uh, Chapter 4 is a narrative. Chapter 5 is a song, and it's actually God's perspective on what we just read. Together, those two chapters shows us the Lord's sovereign hand. Now, each one of the judges brings out something special. So in chapter 3, Ehud is mentioned. He is a left-handed, meaning his right hand has been crippled. Uh, And the Lord uses a crippled man to bring about his purposes. Chapter 4 and 5, the thing that should stand out for us and the thing that should make us look and stop and look is that the Lord uses two women, Deborah and Jael. We're going to do kind of a case study with those two women. And there's two kind of main things I want you to notice when we come to Deborah and Jael. Number one, the Bible tells us that they are women. And number two, the Bible tells us that the Lord uses them. His hand is all over their story to bring about his purposes. And right at the end, we're going to stop and we're going to see if there's a few things that we can apply to ourselves. So that's the path we're going to take this morning. But we need to start where the Bible starts. The Bible starts by teaching us first and foremost about God. Have a look. Have a look at the song Chapter 5, if you have your Bibles in front of you, have a look at the song. That is God's perspective. Where does it start? It starts with the Lord. So verse 1 tells us it's a song about Barak, uh, and Deborah and Barak. But verse 2 starts like this. Actually, the song starts like this. That the leaders took their lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings. O princes, give ear to the Lord, I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Deborah's song, this song starts with praising God. Why? Because he raised up a leader, verse 2, who led. And he rose up people who offered themselves willingly. And in doing so, he blessed, he brought peace to the land. The shock is those people he used were women. Deborah led and Jael offered herself willingly. And at the end of that, praise came to the Lord. If you want to use kind of New Testament imagery, Ephesians tells us that the Lord prepared works for each one of us in advance. Before the creation of the world, he prepared these works for us. Before the creation of the world, Deborah and Jael's purposes were set in motion. And they come to pass here in this chapter, and praise be to God for that. So, let's start with Deborah. We're going to start with Deborah. If you have your Bibles open, it would be wonderful. And lots of reading. Just reading chapter 4, first few verses up to verse 6, you will be struck how many times Deborah is called a woman. Verse 4, she was a prophetess, she was the wife of that guy. She sat under that tree. She judged. 
she summoned Barak. Just five times in those few verses, her identity was made clear. Now, if you were an Israelite coming to her for this judgment, it could be a little bit of a shock. A few people might have raised their eyes, as maybe even today, there's a woman leading us. But the Bible makes it crystal clear, and it doesn't make apologies for it. It just states it, that Deborah, the prophetess, the wife of that guy, judged Israel. How did she do that? Well, have a look. Let's have a look at the story. Let's see how the story unfolds. Now, chapter 4, verse 1 tells us that there was actually no life in Israel. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sold them into slavery, that cycle. The Lord's sovereign hand, Israel did evil, he sells them into slavery to Jabin. And to Jabin's slave master called Sisera. Now, he's a piece of work, Sisera. He's, he's cruelly treating the people. Why? The Bible tells us he had seven or eight, 900 iron chariots. Now, iron chariots of those days were the ultimate war machine to oppress people. So Sisera, the ultimate cruel slave master at the ultimate war machine, and he oppressed Israel. And when we turn to chapter 5, we see that that was pretty bad. Chapter 5, verse 6, we read there that the highways were abandoned. The people moved along the byways, meaning it was dangerous to travel. Dangerous to move from one place to another place. Verse 8 tells us there was idol worship. And because of idol worship, there was war at the gates of Israel, at the door, at the, at their doors. But verse 7 tells us village life ceased until Deborah came. Read with me there if you have your Bibles, verse 7. The villages ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. So life in Israel was bleak until Deborah came. She's called like a mother in Israel. Now the idea here is like a mother gives birth, gives life. There was no life in Israel until Deborah came and she gave life back to Israel. How did she do it? Well, chapter 5 tells us she led Israel. How did she lead Israel? Well, under the tree, under the palm tree, verse 4 and 5, she was a prophetess and a judge. She brought God's word to bear on God's people. So Israel, you are doing evil. Look, the Lord sold you into the hands of this Canaanite king. Look how he's oppressing you. There's no life there, Israel. There's no village life. But if you turn back, if you repent, if you turn back to the Lord in obedience to the Lord, there's life there. She was calling Israel back to repentance and faith. Another word in the Bible we use, she was evangelizing them. Deborah, as a mother in Israel, was calling Israel from darkness to light or from death to life. That's how she led Israel. She called them to repentance and faith. And the faith was stepping out in that faith. Have a look, Israel. What was your job? Your job was to drive out these nations in the land. Have you been doing it? No, not really. 
Well, get stuck into it. Have a look at chapter 4, verse 6. She sent for Barak, the son of another dude, from Kardesh Naphtali, and she said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather the men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and from the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you in the river Kishon, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hands. Has not the Lord told you? Yes, he has. He told us through Moses. Israel, get stuck into it. And you know what happened? Deborah led. Deborah brought God's will to bear on these people. And you know what happened? They responded. End of the chapter, chapter 4, we hear this wonderful news. So on that day, the Lord God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until he destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. This evil king, this cruel slave master was completely destroyed. And chapter 5 ends with Israel having peace for 40 years. What a wonderful story of Deborah taking the lead. Now fast forward about 3,000 years. Jesus dies, he rises again, he walks on that road to Emmaus with two dudes, and he says to them, do you know the Old Testament was all about me? I would have loved to be there when Jesus opened Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5. Let me guess, let me try and sell to you what Jesus might have said to the dice. He said, Deborah was a picture of me. I am the true ruler of Israel. I'm the one who stepped up and led, calling people from darkness to light, repentance and faith, calling them to true eternal life. It's found in me and in me alone. There was no life in the village before I came. On that faithful day, I led all the way to the cross. There the Lord subdued my enemies under my feet so that you guys could have rest. And they would have said, praise the Lord. Deborah is a beautiful picture of the Lord. First and foremost, the Old Testament points us to the Lord Jesus. All right, that's, J- that's Deborah. Now we get into the tough one, Jael. Jael, no doubt, she's a woman. Twice she's mentioned as Herbert's wife. She gave him a blankie, she gave him, kept him warm, and she pegged him down. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) The Lord's hand is all over her story. And the way we see it is we need to follow the battle. So let's follow the battle. Let's see how the battle works itself out. Chapter 4 starts with Barak with his 10,000 men. Deborah says to him, go out, gather them. Against 900 War machines. They're made of iron. Humans are made of flesh and blood. Essentially what we have is 10,000 cannon fodder against the latest and greatest war machine. You know? Okay, Lord, how do you want to do this? Well, Barak, I want you to go up a mountain with your 10,000 men. So Barak can go, okay, that sounds like a great plan. The chariots, they really can't move on the mountains. That's a great plan. Okay, Lord, and then... Well, verse 7, I want you then to go down the mountain into the valley, into the plains. 
the flat. You can imagine Barak going, what? Sorry, sorry, Lord, say that again. I want you to go to the valley, the plains. There, the battle will happen. And you can imagine him going, but that's where the chariots are at their best. That's where this war machine is at the strongest. But verse 10 ends with Barak and his 10,000 men. And the Bible says they are on his heels. They are up the mountain. They are ready for this battle. But then verse 11 happens. Now Herbert the Kenite was separated from the Kenites, the descendant of Hobart, the father-in-law of Moses, and he pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zeninim, which is near Kadesh. And you and I go, what? You know what happens when you watch SABC TV? You have got this wonderful action movie. I love action movies. And then right in the middle, you can buy two Colgate toothpaste for four and fifty. And you go, what on earth is happening? That's verse 11. Verse 11 should shock you. You can't read chapter 4 without verse 11 shocking and going, what on earth is going on here? Well, let's have a look. The battle continues, verse 12. Sisera sees them on the mountain. He draws near. The Lord sends them down. And verse 14 is actually the climax of chapter 4. Deborah said to Barak, up, for this is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into her hands. And so Barak goes down the mountain, and verse 15, the Lord routed. That's completely annihilated Sisera and his chariots and his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And you might have to stop and ask, how on earth did that happen? How did 10,000 cannon fodder? Destroy this mighty army of 900 war machines. Chapter 5 tells us it's an act of God. Chapter 5 verse 4 tells us the Lord thundered from the mountain in front of them. And the heaven, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The act of God was rain. The rain, the Lord sent rain into this little Kishon River that barely trickled, that barely flew, flowed, and filled it so much that it became a torrent. Have a look at verse 20 and 21. From heavens the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon. 900 chariots and their army and their horses completely and utterly annihilated, bogged down, and the battle was over before it even started. Not a man was left except Sisera, who got off his chariot and fled on foot into the loving and caring and peaceful hands of, you guessed it, verse 11, Herber's wife, who just happened to be under the tree there at Zinanim, which was close to where the battle was. Can you see the Lord's hand all over verse 11? But there's more. Have a look at verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17. There was peace between Hazor, Jabin, no, 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 let me get that, between Jabin and Herber. Jael's wife and Sisera were supposed to be at peace with one another. 
So what does Jael do? She's at peace with this guy. She goes out and she tells Sisera three times, turn aside, my lord, turn aside. Don't worry, my lord, it's safe here. Come in, don't be afraid. Into the safe tent of Jael he goes. He gets his milk and his blankie. He lies down and she most definitely killed him. Dead, dead, dead. Have a look at chapter 5. Chapter 5 is 25. Read with me verse 25. He asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him his curds in a noble bowl. She set her hand to the pig and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank. He fell. He lay still. Between her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. How many times do you think he can tell us he killed her? She killed him. (laughs) She killed him dead, dead, dead. Now, if you just had chapter 4 and you see what she did, you and I would go, oh, that's a little bit strange. She tricked him. She made him sleep and then she killed him. That's not good. But again, we have to go to chapter 5. Remember, chapter 5 is the Lord's perspective. We read from verse 25 how she killed him dead, dead, dead. But have a look at verse 24. The verse that just comes before that. The Lord's perspective is, Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife wife of Herbert the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. Why is she most blessed? Because she killed Sisera dead, dead, dead. Why, why, why did she kill him? They were at peace. Remember, they were at peace with one another. Why did she break this peace treaty? Well, praise be to the Lord that Deborah stood up and led. What did Deborah do? Remember, she led Israel. If you look there before um, verse 23 and 24, there are two verses that are supposed to be compared with one another. Verse 23 talks about cursing. Meroz, I think that's a French, Meroz. He's cursed. Jael is blessed. Why? Well, go a little bit up. Verse 13, Deborah calls them to action. And verse 13, Ephraim, Benjamin, Zebulun, Naphtali, they all went to war, so it's most of Israel. But, verse 15, Reuben, Gilead, Asher, They pondered the call of the Lord greatly, the verses tells us, and then decided not to go. Verse 23, Merah was one of those, Meros was one of those who did not come. He stayed away and he is called cursed. But Jael, she pondered the Lord's call deeply and she broke that peace treaty. She killed Sisera dead, dead, dead. But why? Well, remember what Deborah said. Deborah said life under the Canaanites, under Sisera, under Jabin, is no life at all. Yes, your family, yes, your your community has worked really hard to create this peace between you and Jabin the king. But that is no life at all there. Only life is in the Lord. Jael, can you see that? Jael, will you offer yourself willingly and kill the Lord's enemy dead, dead, dead? 
dead. And the rest is history. Chapter 5, verse 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord that Jael offered herself willingly and killed the Lord's enemy. Now again, like Deborah, Jael tells us more about God than about herself. Imagine Jesus walking on that road with those two guys, saying to them, Jael points to me. Imagine what he would say. Well, let me try. Jesus says, I pondered the Lord's call deeply. There in the garden so deeply that I sweated blood. The Lord said to me, go to the cross. And I said, Father, if there's any other way. But the Father said, no. And so what did I do? I offered myself willingly all the way to the cross. And there at the cross, the Lord killed his enemies dead, dead, dead. Praise the Lord. So, as we come to the end, the Old Testament, first and foremost, teaches us about the Lord Jesus, about our God. How he led and offered himself willingly. But it also helps us to understand a little bit about these two women. And it helps us understand their purpose. That the Lord set in motion before the creation of the world. The church has been trying to answer some of these questions. What's the purpose of man? The, the Heidelberg Catechism is one of those ways. They were asking this question in the church, and it's like a Sunday school for adults. And the question is, what is the chief end of man? Uh, Women's Month, what's the chief end of woman? What is Deborah and Jael's chief purpose? The answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Praise be to God that Deborah and Jael stood up. They led and they offered themselves willingly because that brought glory to God and enjoyment to the people. What did Jael do? Well, she had a big choice to make. Remember that choice? Her family, the house of Herber created this beautiful peace treaty. She heard the gospel. She heard that there's no life there in the world. There's no life there. The world, at, you know, you, the work we have, the homes we the, at home, at play, our whole world tells us there's life here. The gospel says now there's life in Christ. She pondered it deeply, and then what she do? She offered herself willingly, and there the Lord's enemy was dead, dead, dead. In doing so, she glorified the Lord and enjoyed that peace. In Christ, we are called to make the same kind of decision, to pick up our cross. That's the New Testament word that the Bible says. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't lead us down this road that the world leads us. His road is opposite. It's not what the world says. It's the opposite of what the world says. The world says life is here. Jesus says life is here. This way. Will we see, like Jael, Will we submit sacrificially, offering ourselves willingly? Deborah, on the other hand, she led. Now, not all of us are going to be people who are going to stand up and call to uh, preach the gospel from up front. Maybe that's you, maybe it's not you. But the one thing that is asked of us is to give an account of your story. And do, and do who? Let me try that again. Did I get that right? 
She told us a story, didn't she? She had to wrestle with a story. She had to think about a story. Each one of us, if you're a Christian, you, you have a story. Can you share that with someone? Of course you can. When the time comes, can you give a reason for the hope you have in Jesus Christ? That's leading. In, our, in my service in this church, uh, many times I've heard the saying that as a Christian, you are following someone and there's always someone following behind you. That's how it works in this family. That's how the Lord works it. We are leaders and there are people following us. Every single one of us if we're Christians. So, if you think about this, the purpose of life, what's the purpose of man, purpose of woman? It's to enjoy God or to glorify God and to enjoy him, to enjoy him forever. What does that look like? I think in my mind the picture I have is... If you think about World War I and II, you had those spotlights. Remember those spotlights used to shine in the sky and find the planes? Chapter 5 ends with this phrase. Chapter 5 verse 31 says that the friends of God are like the sun shining in its brightness. Our job, our purpose is to be not flimsy spotlights, but to be as bright as the sun shining on our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to him. And enjoying him forever. That is a spotlight shining away from yourself. That's my purpose. It's not to serve myself. My purpose is to serve others. Think about the Lord's commandment. Love the Lord with God all your heart. And love your neighbors yourself. Not love yourself. It's purpose of us is to shine away from us. Onto the Lord. And onto his people. That is us offering ourselves willingly. And standing up to lead as the Lord calls us. And for that, we want to praise the Lord. Because he's the only one who does that in our hearts. So, as I end, let me pray for us. Before I call David to come up here. Thank you, Father, for your word. Um, thank you that it challenges us so deeply. Um, our purpose in this world is to bring you glory and to enjoy you forever. Please forgive us, Lord, when we focus on ourselves, but let us be men and women who shine the light on you, Lord Jesus, and in doing so, enjoy your purposes forever. Amen.